Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Grace City Church podcast. If you would like more info on our church, you can visit gracecityboston.com. Now let's get to the sermon. Hey, good morning. Uh, so glad to uh, so glad to have you here. My name is Brian. If I don't know you, I'm the lead pastor here at uh, Grace City, and so it's great to uh, it's great to be here this morning. Uh, a lot of us had to actually brush our teeth again, which is kind of a new thing for us. You know what I'm saying? Uh, can we let's be vulnerable for a moment? Yeah, I got up. I was like, I should brush my teeth this morning because now you know what I mean. Like, I there's a whole thing now. Okay, great. All right. <clears throat> Just trying to be vulnerable, man. I'm trying to start the morning together in, in real place of vulnerability. <sighs> We're in a series entitled Spiritual Formation. And so we've been looking at uh, what does it mean to be formed more and more into uh, the image of Jesus? And so what does that look like as a people kind of moving towards uh, the image of Christ? And so uh, if you're here at our church, this is how we tend to think about spiritual formation um, uh, in, in this particular way. Uh, so essentially three parts is how we think about it. So we think about the habits, community, and mission. And so the last few weeks, we've been talking about the habits. So we've kind of hung out uh, for a while in this idea of if we're going to be a people who look more and more like Jesus, then we have to have the rhythm of Jesus. And so Jesus uh, was um, studying the scriptures. He was in prayer. Um, he was practicing uh, Sabbath. He, he was kind of doing all of these things that are making us more and more um, into his image. And so that's kind of what we've been spending the last few uh, weeks together. The, the, what we're kind of moving in now into um, is kind of the second part of our uh, spiritual formation process, um, which is community. So we're going to spend the next kind of three weeks kind of really coming around this idea of what does it mean to be a people of God? And so let me just kind of say this on the front end before we kind of uh, dive into the the text that we have, um, before we kind of dive into the text this morning, uh, I, I do want to say this, right? So for some of you, the habits, uh, th they tend to be a little more on the contemplative side, right? Uh, so they can be a little more... Um, uh, a little more kind of individualistic. And, and so some of you, if you're an introvert, you're like, yes, give me the scriptures, give me prayer, you know, give me Sabbath. Like I'm, I'm fully kind of embracing that, that lifestyle. You're like that. This is, this is what I want. You're just that kind of individual. It just comes natural to you uh, to be in that order. Then there's others of you on the other side of that, that for community, maybe you're a little more extrovert, right? Maybe you're seven on the Enneagram, if you know that that person. And, and you're just like, you make people uncomfortable with how excited you are to be in community, you know? And, and you're just like, man, so you're just like, so glad to meet you. I'm so glad we're here and together, you know, it's like there's like very, is an intensity about you, right? That, that we all love and makes us all very uncomfortable. And so, uh, so for that end of the spectrum, you're like, Yes, man, let's get into community. I want to, I want to, like, that's this is kind of what I've been waiting on. It's just kind of slow, you know, it's not that. And, and so, on one side is the contemplative with the habits, if, if, you know, in some ways. On the other side, tends to be a bit more of the kind of um, charismatic. And so, if I don't know if you were here uh, a couple of months ago, but we basically said as a church, we're trying to straddle and live between two worlds. And so, we want to be in the contemplative side. So, we want to practice the habits. We, we want to more kind of like a um, uh, kind of a monastic thought, if, if you will. Uh, we, and so, we want to embrace that. We want to be about that, especially in a busy city where there's always something to do and there's, there's always noise and, and it's just it's really important to be able to embrace that for our spiritual development. But we also want to be on this side of the charismatic side. And so that tends to lend itself towards community and people and a bit more passionate. And so I just want to say this, no matter where you're at on the end of the spectrum, um, in order to be fully formed into the image of Jesus, you're going to have to do work. 
that's just our reality. Whether you lean more towards the contemplative or more towards um, the charismatic, each of us is going to have to do work to kind of come towards the center and, and be in a place that's working um, being a place that's working towards the center. Uh, I also want to say that, um, well, well, let me say this first and, and then I'll say that. So we essentially, the, so the way that we see community work itself out um, at our church, at Grace City, it works itself out kind of in three metaphors that you see all throughout scripture. And here's the three. And so we'll talk about the first one uh, this week and then we'll do the next two the next two weeks. So we see the community God, the, the first kind of picture or metaphor is a body. So you see this all throughout scripture that we are the body of Christ. Uh, the second metaphor or picture um, is that of a family. So to be in community is to be a part of a family. And then the third kind of image or metaphor that we see all throughout scripture is to be a community uh, of people is, is to be a citizen in the kingdom of God, is a, to be a nation of people. And so we're going to kind of flesh these, these uh, three out. And I do want to say coming out of the habits, um, section of what we just did with spiritual formation. You could, let's just dream for a second. And let's say you're an individual who did the habits perfectly. Like you're like, have a robust prayer life and uh, you, you you can work your way through the scriptures, like, you know, uh, ex, uh, expository, like you, you just, you're like wired in that. You've got a hermeneutic background, like all this stuff, right? Like you just, you're just killing it and you're doing the Sabbath well. So you're not doing 24 hours, you're doing 25 hours, right? Because you just want to make sure you're just like killing all of these things. Um, you could do all of those things perfectly, but if you're doing all of that in isolation, you're missing it. Like, like you will not, uh, there, there's a sense in which even all of the habits, if they only find themselves in isolation, you, you miss. You miss. Um, Acts chapter 2, we saw back, I read it, but um, Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47, this is just that traditional kind of formation of the church. This is what Luke records in Acts 2, and we're not going to get a deep dive into this. It's not our main text this morning, but but it is worth kind of just noticing uh, verse 42 of Acts 2. Um, it says they, right? They devoted themselves, plural. It's a plural pronoun there. They devoted themselves. Verse 43, um, everyone like everyone is filled with awe, right? Not John was filled with awe or Susie was filled with awe. Uh, it's everyone is filled with awe. Verse 44, now all the believers were together. They're, they're all together. Verse 45, they sold their possessions. They, they sold them, right, to all as any had need. Verse 46, it says every day they devote themselves to meeting together. Meeting together. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts. I mean, you, you get into the kind of early formation of the church uh, in Acts chapter 2, and th this is just even all the way through the book of Acts, this, you see this kind of communal aspect of the people of God. It's a kind of a, a powerful um, metaphor that we see all throughout the scriptures. Barna, their research group, um, they're kind of a Christian research group, a, a large group. Uh, they, they, in one of their most recent studies, they found that 56% of, of Christians that they surveyed uh, feel that their spiritual life is entirely private. It's just a private thing. It's kind of their own um, individualistic thing. And, and we'll talk about how we are shaped as individuals, uh, not this morning, I have time, but we'll get into it maybe in another one. But um, th basically this idea that like the church is kind of supplemental, that community of God's people is kind of like off the side. If you want to embrace it, you can, but it's not necessary to be made into the image of Christ. Like Christian discipleship is just about you and yours and how you're personally developing. The church is, is kind of this thing out here. Eugene Peterson says this, 
He says, we can no more be a Christian and have nothing to do with the church than we can be a person and not be in a family. It's just how we're wired into, right? So to be a, a Christian, to be someone living in the way of Jesus is someone who's embraced and connected in a local community of believers. And, and so all of these things, because I just want to say this, right? I'm just a, like, I'm a pastor of a local congregation. I'm, I'm just a church dude. Like, this is what I think about. This is what I do. This is how I'm wired. We'll, we'll look at why I'm shaped that way in, in some personal ways. But like, this is as we're thinking over the next three weeks, uh, not that it's not important on, on how you uh, operate in, in your CrossFit community or your Orange Theory or your all the ones that make you sweat, right? All those communities or your art community or your whatever kind of thing, your scrapbooking community. I don't know if that, that's a thing, but right. You know what I mean? Like you're whatever you have, right? It's not all those things are important and, and all those things matter and we should be involving ourselves in those things. But I want to primarily think about over the next three weeks, how we operate inside of the body, inside of a local congregation. Our, our city will be, um, our city will be transformed by local congregations, by local believers faithfully living the way of Jesus. This is how we see transformation and renewal happen. It happens when we embrace this idea of community. This idea of community, Genesis 2, in, in the creation story, um, in, in verse 18. So uh, if, if you're not familiar with it, Genesis 1 and 2 is basically how, how God creates all things and Genesis 1 kind of explains that God goes through and creates everything, and we don't have to get into your thoughts on that maybe later. But, but like, let's just hang in there for a second. So he creates all things, uh, and then we get to Genesis 2 in verse 18, and look what it says. So God's kind of surveyed everything that he's made, um, all, all these things. And then it says, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. So he sees, he sees Adam, he says, oh, Adam's alone, it's not good. And then the scriptures go on to tell us that he, he made all the birds and, and brought them all forward and, and there, was, there was no helper that was found for Adam. That's what we have recorded. And then, then God says, uh, it says in verse 20, it says there was no helper found corresponding to him, verse 21. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come over the man and he slept and God took out one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at its place. And the Lord God made the rib that he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. This is the creation story. So the first time that God responds with um, a sense of incompleteness or a sense of displeasure with his creation is when he sees Adam in isolation. And then I, the, the, the end part, uh, the, the conclusion there in verse 22 always um, sticks out to me. It says, and he brought her to the man, brought her to the man. God didn't create, um, he didn't create Eve and was like, Adam, something really great is out there. Go find it, you know? No, he said, okay, this is a good thing. I'm, I'm going to, almost like a dad walking his daughter down the aisle. He said, I'm going to bring this because you need a sense of community. You need a sense of um, union. This is what it means to be wired and made um, into the image of God. From Genesis 2, we see in the, in the very beginning. Okay, so... Um, Here's the thing. So I'm a pastor. So I think a lot about community. I read a lot about community. It is a very kind of important part of what I do, what our church, church does. And so if you um, are, are kind of second value, if you go onto our website or whatever, um, is, is pursuing radical belonging. And so we, we believe that there's a real opportunity as a local church 
in the city to create a sense of belonging. And so I'm thinking about community a lot and I'm reading a ton of stuff all the time about it. And and, and probably the, the book that most sticks out when I think about community uh, was written by a German theologian named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. So Dietrich Bonhoeffer, um, he uh, lived in Nazi Germany uh, during that time period, a remarkable individual, but he wrote a book called Life Together. It's kind of a small book uh, about community. He actually had founded kind of a uh, a seminary and uh, just did some really incredible things um, at a very young, he was actually killed by the Nazis, but um, he, he wrote a book called Life Together. And one of the most interesting kind of, uh, I think, helpful um, aspects of this book is he he talks about this idea that community is not an ideal reality, uh, but it's a divine reality. Not an ideal reality, but it's a divine reality. And, and I want to, I'm going to read just, uh, I'm going to read um, a significant part of, of what Dietrich is, is going to say here. And, and so uh, you, all you guys are pretty smart. I think we can hang in there for a bit, right? It's going to lengthy kind of quotes here. Um, but basically he, he's going to go after this idea that if you come into a community, because I do want to say this, if you come into a community with unrealistic expectations, you will, you will quickly either seek to destroy that community or become disillusioned. In that community, if you if you bring in some unrealistic expectations, and so so Bonhoeffer is going to say that it's a divine reality; it's not an ideal. Okay, let's let's look here. So a couple of um, couple of sections here in his book. This is what he writes. He says, "Innumerable times, a whole Christian community has broken down because it had sprung from a wish dream. The serious Christian sat down for the first time in Christian community is likely to bring with him or her." a very uh, definitive idea of what Christian life together uh, should be and try to realize it. But God's grace speedily shatters such dreams just as surely God desires to lead us to a knowledge of genuine fellowship. So surely must we be overwhelmed by great general disillusionment with others, with Christians in general, and if we are fortunate with ourselves. Now he continues... He says, every human wish dream that is injected into the Christian community, hear it, that is injected into the Christian community is a hindrance to genuine community and must be banished if genuine community is to survive. He who loves his dream of community more than the Christian community itself but becomes a destroyer of the latter even though his personal intentions may be ever so honest and earnest and sacrificial. So he says, if you love the idea of community more than you love the community itself, you'll destroy the community. See that? He goes on. He says, the man who fashions a visionary ideal of community demands that it be realized by God, by others, and by himself. Now listen to what he says when it doesn't when it doesn't pan out the way that this idealistic person thought it would pan out, right? This person comes into community, he's like, I've got all these expectations and ideas, and this is gonna be incredible, it's gonna be like a family. That's what he says. When things do not go his way, he calls the effort a failure. When his ideal picture is destroyed, he sees the community going to smash, whatever that means. He's German, let's forgive him, all right? I'm just kidding. I love the Germans. Okay, so, oh gosh. He sees the community going to smash. I use that word all the time and I love it. All right. So he becomes, listen, 
So he becomes first an accuser of his brethren, then an accuser of God, and finally the despairing accuser of himself. And so he says, if you come into a community with this kind of ideal expectation of what this community is going to look like, you'll, you'll give up. You'll have this vision in your head that it won't, it won't line up, it won't match. Uh, one of the things that I think about, um, because our, our church is, is, a, is a really kind of a young church, both in age and like both in like general age of people and then just age in terms of establishment of a church, right? We're really only about a year old. And so uh, if you're in this space and you're here, you're like, hey, you know, two of the things you'll probably find pretty quickly is you're like, hey, how long have you been going here? And you're like, uh, like two times, right? And I was like, okay, cool. Well, that's cool. So, okay. And, or if you're like, hey, you know, how long have you been in the city? And you're like, uh, you know, a couple of months, right? I mean, a, a lot of people in our community, we do have some long-term people, but a lot of people in our community are either new to the city uh, or new to the church. It kind of falls into those categories. And one of the things that I worry, I do worry about a, a general kind of um, disillusionment that can happen when you come into a new community. It's kind of fun and exciting and you're meeting new people and you're kind of interacting with people that, that, it can, that can quickly be shattered if, our, if your expectations aren't in line with what a community should look like. It, it can be destroyed. Like people here are going to let you down. They're not going to like hold their word for some reason. They're not going to text you back immediately, even, even though you can see that they read the text message. Do you know what I mean? Like, like this is kind of like the reality of what it means to be in community with one another. And, and I think, you know, the habits are really important. But for me, I'm like the next three weeks are going to be really crucial um, to the future of our church, to the future of what kind of community we're going to be uh, inside the city of Boston. Is going to be really crucial. Okay, so let's look at um, let's look at this idea of community as a body of Christ. So we have two passages of scripture here, um, both by the Apostle Paul. He was an early uh, used to be a persecutor of the way of Jesus, and then had a radical transformation uh, because of his interaction with Jesus. So Romans chapter twelve, starting uh, in verse one through eight. Listen what he says. How he talks about the community of God's people. Therefore. Uh, brothers and sisters, in views of the mercies of God, so what God has done for us, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, and this is your true worship. Verse 2, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? So, okay, so a new orientation in our thinking leads to a new orientation in behavior. This is what the habits are dealing with a lot. That we got to be, we, we don't want to be conforming to the, the kind of present day um, times and culture, but we want to be transformed by the renewal of our mind. He goes on, so you may discern what is good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Verse three. Okay, so here he gets into the image. He says, For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So he says we're, we're members of one another, collectively. Verse 6, according to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. And then he gets in the gifts. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But then he gets into these gifts. He picks up the same imagery as a church, as a body, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, starting in verse 12. This is what he says. For just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. This is, this is who we are. 
And then he goes in and says, we're, we're been baptized in one spirit. So whether you're a Jew or a Greek or you're a slave or a free, we've all been given one spirit to drink. Verse 14, indeed, the body is not one part, uh, but it's, it's many, it's many different parts. Okay. So, um, Three, let's look at three distinctives of what it means to be the body of Christ and how we think about this imagery um, as, a, as a community. Here's the first one. Uh, the, the first thing we must do, and all of these are, are they're also are the plural pronoun on purpose, right? Because we're talking about community. Uh, so here's the first thing. Uh, we must, if this is going to work, we must see Jesus as our head. Like he, he is the leader. Romans chapter 12, verse five, it says, in the same way we who are many are in one body in Christ. First Corinthians 12, 12. So he ends that and says, so also in Christ. First Corinthians 12, 27. Now you are the body of Christ. Uh, he says in Ephesians 1, uh, 22, he subjected everything under his feet and appointed him the head over everything for the church, talking about Jesus. Uh, Ephesians 5, um, actually talking about this one flesh union of marriage. In verse 3, it says, since we are members of his body, this is who we are. Colossians 1, 18, he is also the head of the body, the church, talking about Jesus here. Like, like he is, Jesus is the one who we take our, our calling from, who we take our, our mark from. Uh, again, Bonhoeffer says this. He says, God has already laid the foundation of our fellowship. So thinking about our fellowship, he's already laid the foundation of our fellowship because God has bound us together in one body with other Christians in Jesus Christ. Now hear this. This is the part that this is great. He says, long before we entered into common life with them, we entered into that common life, not as demanders, but as thankful recipients. This is who we are. So, so what does it mean to embrace the way of Jesus, to think about Jesus as our head, that what it means is we don't come into a community with kind of all of these expectations and demands, our kind of settling foundation place is what? Is that we are a people with a posture of gratitude to Jesus. We've received something because of Jesus from God the Father. We've received new life. We've received an identity. We've seen promises and an inheritance. It's broken down walls of hostility and barriers that we can be people with different ethnic backgrounds and different education and different socioeconomic backgrounds. And, and all because Jesus is the head, this thing works. And so Bonhoeffer says, now we come into it as recipients. This is what Jesus has done for us he has set the way uh, this is why so if you if you went to um our website and and uh and you like go to the values right you you always want to have your organizational values and so if but if you go there like the very first thing that you're going to see on that page is it, it it just says we're a people living the way of jesus this this is who we are like we're, we're just taking our cues from him we're not trying to be too cute, you know, to like whatever, whatever. It's just like, listen, we're, whatever Jesus did, that's what we're doing. Whatever Jesus taught, that's what we're embracing. Whatever way that he sought to live, that's what we're doing as a community. He is the head. We are taking our cues uh, from him. Okay, so we must see Jesus as the head. Second thing, we must uh, maintain, this is so important, we must maintain a correct view of self. Have you ever met anyone who has an over- 
either an over-appreciation of self or an under-appreciation of self, right? Like if you ever met someone where you're like, you clearly don't understand how others perceive you. You ever met that person before? You're like, yes, they're sitting next to me. All right. Um, We have, like, if this is going to work correctly, this is what Paul says. If it's going to work correctly, um, Paul says at uh, at at the very beginning, it says that we have to not think of ourselves more highly than we should. Like we can't. He says in 1 Corinthians 12 that, um, that, that I can't say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the foot, I don't need you. Uh, essentially what Paul is getting at here, uh, he's talking about the, this, the, really the sin of self-idolatry. The sin of self-idolatry. There, there's a, a very real... Um, for me, a very real fear because uh, self-idolatry will handicap the body. Like it will. Now it can work itself out in two different ways, right? Uh, self-idolatry could be, uh, it could be, I'm so awesome, God, the body needs me. We've met those people, right? You're like, not, I'd rather not, not interested. You're like, look at all the gifts I have, look at all the resources I have. I'm bringing it to the body and, and you need me. Like, that sounds great, good for you, right? Or it could be on the other end of the spectrum. It could be um, as a result of your past, brokenness, um, whatever that looks like. It, it could be, well, I, I, I have nothing to give and nothing to offer so God can't use me. It's still self-idolatry. It's still an incorrect view of self, right? It's self-deprecation. Like, it's, it's, it's still a, um, an over kind of uh, over-focus on self, this is self-idolatry. And, and so Paul says, inside of this community, we have to think about ourselves correctly. We, we have to think about ourselves right. This will, it will, you will break the body if you are um, over-consumed with self. I, uh, let, let me give you, um, maybe this will be helpful, right? Because the body that, when the body doesn't work correctly, it creates all kinds of chaos. So uh, I'm uniquely acquainted with when the body breaks down. So when I was eight years old, uh, my dad fell out on the couch in front of me. So at the ripe old age of 36, he had a stroke. So so I watched my dad fall out uh, in front of me. Uh, He had a a clogged artery on his left side. Uh, And so it it handicapped him for the rest of his life. So I grew up as a kid watching my dad. So he can't use his left arm and he walks with a limp. So my whole life... That my, my whole life, I got a front row picture of what it looked like when a body doesn't work the way that it's supposed to. I saw the frustration on his face. Uh, I saw the sadness on his face when he couldn't um, engage in the activities that he wanted to engage uh, with, with us, right? Like I, I'm an individual, as I'm thinking about the body and thinking about the body working correctly and not working correctly, I carry the emotional scars of the body not working correctly. That's my reality. Uh, I carry those. Some of you probably carry the emotional scars of a body not working correctly. Now, now it, it's very possible um, that for you, it's not even, maybe a physical ailment is not the, the emotional scars that you carry. Maybe you carry the emotional scars because the church hurt you. And you had a front row picture to what it looks like when the body of Christ doesn't work correctly. Some of the deepest, most painful hurt that I've ever seen in talking with people has come as a result of the church. 
like it's it's come because of spiritual abuse. Uh, it's come because the, the body was, and maybe this is your background. Maybe you grew up in this. The the church was like mean and spiteful and hateful and all law and no grace and 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 it just it just messed you up. And it was what? It was the body not working as it was supposed to. It, 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 the core of all of that is, is people's self-under, like their, their self-idolatry that ruins the completeness of the body. And so, so Paul says, now we, we need to have a right estimate of ourself. Dallas Willard says this about self-idolatry. He says, self-idolatry rearranges the entire spiritual and moral landscape. It sees the whole universe with different eyes. The fundamental, this is so strong, the fundamental pride of putting oneself at the center of the universe is the hinge upon which the entire world, uh, the, the entire world uh, is the hinge upon which the entire world of the ruined self turns. So he says self-idolatry is the ruin in which the entire universe of that person's self falls. This is what happens when we uh, embrace uh, self-idolatry. Now, here's the good news, right? The good news is, is that the same thing that can seek to destroy a community, a community is also the weapon um, that, you can be, that you can use to combat self-idolatry. Like the closer you get into community, the more um, self-focused you realize that you are, Right? So in my particular life, so I'm married and I have two kids. Uh, so I got married, and what happened when I got married is I was like, hmm, I'm pretty selfish, right? <laughs> like, I like done, things done a certain way, right? So where it goes this way, you know what I mean? Like, I, you just kind of have that, you, you, like, I just got married. I was like, oh, shoot, like, I'm going to have to change some things or this is not going to work, right? Like, you, you just kind of realize that when I got married. And then we added two little people into the mix, and I was like, oh, shoot. Still got some self-sitterness about me, you know? Uh, I, I'm, I, I got to kill some of this. The self-idolatry in this particular area is not going to work, right? If I want my kids to love me, uh, I, I'm going to have to remove this type of self-idolatry. The same thing works in, in close community of friends. The same thing works when you get in a community of, of church people and you get close enough to one another, you do what? That it exposes you. The first time you have conflict and you're kind of close relational thing, like you can quickly recognize how mature someone is based on how they handle relational conflict, right? You just quickly can see it. If someone's a, a really walking the way of Jesus, if they're really being developed in their um, spiritual discipleship uh, happens inside of community. It actually, community actually works to kill the, the unhealthy ego, this is what um, this is ultimately what community does. It's a gift given to us by God. Okay, third thing, third final thing. So we have to see Jesus as a head. We have to have a right assessment of ourselves if the body's going to work correctly, and then we must embrace our different gifts and functions inside of the body. We have to embrace our different gifts and functions. Romans chapter twelve, six through eight, and then First Corinthians twelve. Listen to these these way he ends this section. It says, according to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching and teaching, in exhorting and exhortation, in giving with generosity, and leading with diligence, showing mercy with cheerfulness. 
1 Corinthians 12, 28. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, next miracles, the gifts of healing and helping and leading and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all do miracles, do all have the gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, uh, but desire the greater gifts, and I will show you even a better way. So this is what Paul does. Paul's writing these letters, and he, he just writes down the gifts that are coming to him, right? So it's not an extensive list. It's not the complete list of, of spirit, right? So maybe, it, I don't know if you grew up in a church and like, hey, if your gift isn't in the Bible, that's actually not a spiritual gift, right? That's a talent you have. That's not a spirit. It's not on this spiritual gift inventory. It's not a gift. No, Paul's just writing stuff down. He's not thinking people in 2020 are going to be sitting in Boston coming around this, right? So he's just laying out all of these gifts, and he's saying, hey, each of us have something to bring uh, to the body. We each have a function the same way the arm does, the eye, the foot, the leg, whatever. We each have a function and a gift. Now, two thoughts here, um, two thoughts on this. It is your personal responsibility to figure out the gifting that God has given you. It is. Like, it's your responsibility. Now, the church helps with that. Uh, I think that uh, as you get into community, as you serve, um, I think as you're speaking and talking with God, like the community plays a significant role in that, but it is your responsibility. Like I, I, I'm not going to, don't have time to, can't possibly like be like, man, I just feel like you have this gift, blah, blah, blah. You should get plugged in. No, it's you. Like you know, like you, if you know your gifts that you know, it, that's great. If you don't know it, then, then you ask God for insight. You you uh, you get just get plugged in. And when I was 15 when I became a Christian, and, and all I needed to do was like just serve in the various ministries in the church that I was at. So I'm doing kids over here. Like I'm just doing whatever, figuring out how God's wired me and gifted me. It's your responsibility to do that. Figure that out. We we can help with that, but you got to take the initiative in that, right? You got to do that. So some of you are not only robbing yourself, but you're robbing the church of not using the gifts that God gave you. So that's first thing. Second thing, um, uh, if we're doing this right, if we're doing this body of Christ thing right, it will get uncomfortable for all of us. I mean, if you're so, if you're looking at this list that Paul gives us, um, you know, there's a lot of different things here uh, that's this that's in this place. Like, um, I've never met anyone who has grown uncomfortable with the gift of hospitality. Right? Where someone's like, your gift of hospitality makes me uncomfortable. Like you're very good at baking things and you're very friendly and you create an incredible environment and I'm bothered by that. Right? I've never met anyone that's done that before. Like I, I just I just haven't. Like I've never met anyone who squirms at someone's gift of administration. Have you? You're like your gift of administration is making me really squirmy. I don't well, it's kinda yucky. No? I I I haven't seen that. I've, I've never personally been bothered by someone who has the gift of giving. I actually appreciate it. If you have that, we should talk later. Like, I haven't. But if you're looking at this list, dude, there's some things in there that'll make it, like, can get uncomfortable. Uh, I remember the first time, uh, one of the first times uh, someone spoke like a prophetic word over me and, and it's not my background, you know, it, I'm more, I kind of grew up more on the contemplative side uh, of that. And, um, and, and I, I just remember this, man, I like was, I just was trying, I want to receive it right up. Listen, we're a church that believes all the gifts still exist, uh, exist, right? So they're still there. 
still use. And, and I remember that. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to receive this. I'm going to take it. I'm going to work through it. I'm going to think through it. I'm, I'm, I'm not taking this as like the for sure word of God, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to receive it. And what happened is I began to see the things that this individual like spoke over me begin to happen. And was speaking things that already had happened. But that, that was an uncomfortable process. Tongues and healings and, 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 and miracles, like all, all of these things. Like if we're fully going to be a, a body of, of believers, we're going to operate the way that we're supposed to, it, it can get uncomfortable. And we need to be okay with that. Like it like can get a little weird sometimes. And we just got to acknowledge that. Like, yeah, he's a little quirky, a little weird, but, uh, you know, I'm embracing it. This is what it means to be the body of Christ. Listen, I, um, I fully believe that God wants to see the body or, or see the city of Boston transformed. Like, I genuinely believe it. Like, I walk the streets and I'm like, God, do it. Like, do it. Like, change the idols of the city. Like, turn it. Walk in the schools, like turn it. Everywhere I'm going, right? I'm just, I'm just praying and asking that he would do it. I believe it will happen when the body of Christ begins to oper operate like the body of Christ. This is what we're doing. This is why we're here in this place.